One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Quit Your Day Job. I am Alicia Fernandez Miranda. Am I wearing sweatpants while I record this? You will never know. This podcast is all about dream jobs, the ones you wished you had when you were a kid and the ones you pin up on your vision board. I decided to chase after my dream jobs in 2020 by taking unpaid internships at four of them. I quit my job as CEO of a philanthropy consulting business to try my hand working on Broadway, in fitness, as an art dealer, and at a hotel. And then I wrote a book about my experience, which will be out in 2023. I am psyched to share my story with you, but in the meantime, I'm bringing you a few others, real people who work really cool jobs. So before you quit your day job to go be a painter or an actress or a life coach, listen in and see what it's really like behind the scenes. All right, welcome to quit your day job. I am your host, Alicia Fernandez Miranda, and I am here today with a woman who I like to describe as a sextuple threat, even though she's only listed in her bio less than six things she's good at. She's good at a lot more. So we've got Katie Locke O'Brien, a comedy director, writer, and actress whose recent credits include CBS's Ghosts, Keenan, AP Bio, and my personal favorite, Saved by the Bell. Her short film, Have It All, was featured in the NBC Short Film Festival, HBO's Women in Comedy Festival, and won the jury prize for Best Narrative Short at Napa Valley Film Festival, among others. Katie was selected for the inaugural class of NBC's Female Forward program and has been featured on the Young and Hungry list, ooh, I like that, for emerging screenwriters. And she is co-author of the book, The Straight A Conspiracy. Originally from New Hampshire, she is now based in LA and can be found either on set or playing pirate Spider-Man with her four-year-old son. And we should get into that at some point because I don't know that game. (laughs) But it sounds awful. Few people do. (laughs) So, Katie, thank you for coming. You are my first guest. This is very exciting. I'm so honored. Thank you for having me. And we are going to start with a little icebreaker because I've been a consultant most of my career. And I think it's it's almost force of habit. So this is a lightning round. I've got just six questions for you. And you need to answer them with the first thing that pops into your head. Okay. Okay. Are um, you do ready? you have a do you have a rating on this podcast or <laughs> I'm uh, X X rated <laughs> at the moment, but we'll see we'll see what my okay. producers think about that. Yeah. <laughs> I would actually just looking at the questions be amazed if you manage something <laughs> beyond PG thirteen. But okay, okay, we're gonna do it. Okay, I feel better. Okay, KDO, your lightning round number one. Your favorite musical is. Oh, that's so rude that that's your first question. Um, <laughs> West Side Story. West Side Story. Since birth. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yay. Did you see yeah. the movie? Oh, but don't kill me. I haven't seen the mo- new movie yet because I haven't had the chance to see it on a giant screen. And I feel it would do it a disservice to watch it on my laptop. You should definitely go big screen. But I'm very eager to see it. And that has been, I wrote my thesis on that show. Like, I just, I think that show is one of the most perfectly constructed musicals, choreography, score, everything. 
I love it. I loved the movie, and I went alone, like, on a Tuesday at 2 yeah. o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> oh, I totally, I know. This is, the, this is the opportunity I'm looking for. It was great. <laughs> okay, question two. What do you normally have for breakfast? Hmm, is an appropriate answer to say the final third of whatever I made Julian before he left for school, because that's the most honest answer I can give you. <laughs> Perfect. And um, what, what do you usually make him? This morning, it was a third of a pancake, a Mickey Mouse shaped pancake. So like one year's worth. But usually we do like a scrambled egg situation. It really, it varies every day. I know you're Mostly giving your kid Pop-Tarts, don't even lie, but I'm, good. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that you've come up with a healthy breakfast. For I have to do a healthy breakfast because my husband is, is like super tall and super lean and never puts on weight and nobody likes him. And so just for that. And so, and Julian is the same. So Dave is like a nonstop all day source of like sugar. <laughs> and so I'm just like, please just eat this one piece of broccoli and then I'll feel like <laughs> I did what I could. <laughs> Good mom. I should have said septuple threat and included mom. Yeah. Thank a you. Sextuple threat sounds sexier than a septuple. It does. Threat. It does. I'll take it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> question three. What is your go-to snack on a filming day? Ooh, I eat everything on a filming day, uh, like all day long, whatever is it, craft service. But I will say that, wow, why is this so hard? Oh, this is a really weird specific answer, but on multiple sets I've been on, this one catering company always does these things that are like, it's like a sandwich made of two apple slices with, with crunchy peanut butter in between. And for whatever reason, it's like just sweet enough, but it's like Granny Smith apples and it's crunchy and it feels like I ate a whole thing. And that is kind of what I use. That to sounds delicious, actually. It is actually phenomenal. Whenever I show up and they have made those, I'm always like, yes. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Personal, personal question. East coast or West coast? East coast. (laughs) Thought you might say that. It's so mean. I know. And listen, like I am fully that person who moved to Los Angeles, quote unquote, to try it out for six months. And here we are like 12 years later or whatever it has been. And I love so much of the West coast lifestyle and I do not miss winters. Like now I love when I can go back to the East coast and have winter for like a five day visit and be like, snow, this is so novel. And then leave before it's like stretches on for four months. But East Coast, East Coast, East Coast. Yeah, that's in my blood. I can't help that. Although I've come around to the West Coast. I was recently in California. I got to see Katie there in person and it was sunny and warm and we ate really good Mexican food. And I kind of get it now because I didn't really before. It's hard. I tell people all the time too that LA in particular is, I don't think a good tourist city. It's a good, it's a lifestyle city. And so whenever people come, it's not like you can be like, oh, you have three days. You have to see the Empire State Building and the Statue of Liberty. You're sort of like, I guess, look at this brunch place, you know, but then if you spend a couple of weeks and you start to get into the vibe and the energy, you're like, oh, this is a nice place. To live. Yeah. I yeah. did a trampolining class and they gave me a crystal and I thought, okay. <laughs> Okay, California. That feels on brand. (laughs) That sounds great. (laughs) Okay, I said I had six questions, but I actually only have five. So this is your final lightning round question and possibly the most important one. Okay. Zach or Slater? Oh, it was always Zach for me growing up. But now I know them both in person and I really love them both. And I should have liked Slater better because he could dance and, you know, could do ballet. But I don't know why it was Zach. Yeah. He was a great dancer. And he does not look like he has aged since we were watching the original of that show back in the day. 
nope, at least not, on TV. Not even so. two minutes. Nope. <laughs> it's amazing. Well it's done. You passed amazing. your first lightning round. Congratulations. <sighs> that was totally, totally agreeable. The snack one really threw me. I have a lot of good snack foods, but... I'm going to go make one of those after this is done, but <laughs> it's going to go with the wine that I just polished off before we yes. started. So it's perfect. Yes. <laughs> um, Quit your day job. <laughs> except, like, or get fired from it if you're drinking <laughs> on it. But anyhow, I'm sure you never do that on set because you are, as I said, a sextuple threat. So to name my six, I said yeah, actor, <laughs> actor, singer, dancer, writer, director, producer. And I like sextuple because it sounds good. Yeah. But... Tell me, Katie, about your job. My job currently is so much fun. I think it's the most fun job on the planet. Um, And I just got this job in recent years. So I currently am a director of television and film. I work mainly in comedy. I still, I'm also a writer and an actress, but in in recent years, I've sort of been working so much as a director because there's been, thankfully, like an explosion of opportunities and avenues for women behind the camera for kind of the first time. And so I've been working nonstop as a director. So I, you know, last year I worked on five or six different shows, did multiple episodes for each one's season. And so I get to like bop around between these different TV comedies and show up and play. And it's never boring because it requires just a constant new onboarding. You know, I get into the vibe and that's also what's very hard about it is, you know, I, I have to know everything about the history and the style of a show and kind of digest how they make it and then jump in, create some episodes for them, be steeped fully in that world and then be like, I love you guys. Bye. And then move on to the next one and onboard myself to the next one right away. I'm also this year attached to a couple of feature films that are getting developed. So those are much, much longer processes, but those will be very fun when we get to shoot those. Amazing. And whenever I have a free five minutes, I work on scripts, which I used to do more often, but now I'm directing all the time. You don't have five minutes because you are all over the place. So how does it work? Do you get a kind of fully finished script? How far in advance do you get it? How much time do you get, let's say, to prepare? It totally depends on the show. So you do always get for a half hour show, a minimum of four days of prep where you're going in and it's all meetings and scouts. You know, you go check out the locations you're going to be using you sit down and there's like a show and tell of props options. And you're like, it should be this kind of bag, not this, or, you know, you sort of get to do all the very, very nitty gritty. Now, that being said, the entire time that's happening, the script is also being revised and changed and moved around into this. So inevitably you don't always even have a script at the start of prep, but in the perfect world you do. And sometimes you're just doing your little best guesses. And then, you know, I've had preps where I've figured out an entire action sequence and then that goes away before it's you have the shooting draft. And sometimes it's just smaller changes, but you're kind of just have to be super adaptable during that stretch and kind of prepare yourself for anything that might happen. And for a half hour comedy, how many days will you usually be on set filming with the cast? Five days. Five days start to finish, unless it is a particularly complicated episode or has, you know, heavy stunts or special effects or, you know, sometimes there you might have six, but it's generally speaking, it's four days of prep and five days to shoot. Okay. And so you walk on set in the morning, take me through a directing day. Well, I get there an hour ahead of time. And this is because just something that I know about myself. And one of the things that I love 
about my job is I think there are two kinds of directors. You know, there's like the sort of old school image of the author who like shows up and is just like getting everyone to do their thing all day. It's like <laughs> a, jaunty, a jaunty scarf and like a megaphone. Yes, and like a bullhorn and exactly yeah. and some jodhpurs for a good measure. <laughs> and so, but and while I may wear a, you know a stylish pant or two, the the thing that I kind of love about being a director, especially in television, is showing up and believing that my job is to elevate everyone else's creativity, right? And at the end of the day, it's up to me, you know, it's it's this, not this, or it's, you know, this is what we're going to use. But my job is to make the person who creates the props and the person who, you know, and the camera operator and each actor and everybody like feel like they are able to offer their best ideas. Because the reality is I'm going to come in with one option the best thing that could happen to me is that somebody who's a professional in their very specific part of this field beats my idea. In the end, I get credit for the episode anyway. So like, why wouldn't I want everyone Winning working at the all around? Game? Exactly. Yeah. But also, you know, like it's just such a better environment when everyone feels like they can contribute openly. And so that's a long way to explain that I, I get there an hour ahead of call time because that's generally the stretch, the only stretch of the day where the sets are empty and quiet. Few people are in there and starting to set up, but I really like to be in the space and kind of walk through all the blocking, where the actors are going to move, how I'm going to view certain moments. I've already done that in prep, but I do kind of like a final run for myself because as soon as our people arriving, I'm like too much of a social butterfly. So I'm not going to get anything done. So then, you know, once people are there, I'm like checking in with all the department heads and, and everybody who's on set and, and kind of getting us ready for our day. It completely depends. Every single day is different. So like the number of scenes you do in any given day can totally change. But generally speaking, like you have a schedule ahead of time, you know, you're going to do three scenes that day or six scenes that day because they're shorter bits or whatever. And so you go in, you rehearse with the actors, and then you do another rehearsal with everybody watching so that they know how to set up all the cameras for the scene. And then you run through in each camera position as many times as you need to, to kind of craft the scene together and get it where it's like really kind of popping and where it feels like it's locked in from all sides. Amazing. So you're watching it live and I'm watching it live. I've got like headphones things. on. I'm like hidden behind the corner, <laughs> hidden around the corner, <laughs> watching it on a monitor. And then I've got like headphones on. And so I'm paying attention constantly. You know, I'm watching two or sometimes three monitors at the same time, right? Because all the cameras are running at the same time. And so I'm paying right. attention to all the frames and looking for performance. You know, have we gotten every line in the way that we want it? But also... Was that extra who walked by distracting? Do I wish they left a beat later? And also, is something weird about the light? Is there a reflection in that window? Is there? So it's sort of as like you're taking in every aspect down to the tiniest, most minute detail simultaneously and figuring out, okay, what pieces do we need? Sometimes I finish running the scene and I just grab a little piece of it that is what we're missing and not yeah. the whole thing. And the whole time also I'm trying to mostly, I mean, I started as an actor. So most of my work is really in focusing on that, on the cast and making sure that they feel confident and free to find fun new moments and all that stuff. And so once one scene is in the can, you move on to the next one and you are never not racing the clock to get everything in, in any given day, particularly in television. And 
it's a blast. That's amazing. And, and like real talk though. So Julian is how old now? Five? He's four. Four. Okay. He's so four. he's little. You've been doing this for a few years when he was even littler. Yeah. Undoubtedly, you have had nights when you've been up. I mean, that what you just described requires an unbelievable amount of attention. And, yeah. you know, I mean, I can imagine that you have had days where you have had a really terrible night of sleep or, you know, it's just a tantrum in the morning when you leave the house. Like, how do you, are you really able to just like leave it all behind when you walk in the door and then you're just there? No. No. <laughs> I could tell everyone. Thank God, Katie, because <laughs> we were going to hang up this podcast immediately. I tell yes. everybody all the time, I'm like, being a working mom is just a lifelong exercise in feeling guilty about whichever thing you're not doing in that moment. <laughs> like That's just so the baseline true. acceptance, right? And then from there, if you can just like make peace with that, you're good. I, one of the, I mean, the shortest answer is I drink like 95 cups of coffee a day. The second shortest answer is that I know and have no ego about really leaning on the people around me. Your script supervisor, for instance, is the person who is always sitting right next to the director, also paying attention to like tiny details. And did we get everything that's on the page? And so, you know, between your script supervisor and your, and your assistant director, like you have other people who have a really good eye. And I make no bones about walking in on a day like that and being like, Hey, just so like this actually happened (laughs) during ghost, the, or no AP bio, sorry. The day after it was like two days after I'd gotten my second COVID shot. And so I was like, I think I'm fine, but my brain feels a little weird. So (laughs) in the rehearsal, I was like telling an actor to go into the kitchen. I'm like, go in there and just come back out with a, um, uh, oh my God, what's the, um, piece of fabric that wipes up spills that you keep next to your sink? He's like, dish towel. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you grab that? <laughs> so, like, I came back and I said to my script, I was like, listen, I think maybe my brain is only half working. So please like stay you with me here. Take and over the other half. <laughs> whatever it happens. Yeah. 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 So like, that's part of it. The other thing though, is that I, I have had like a very like strange, but also fortuitous journey to this job and becoming like entering motherhood was also the moment that I sort of started doing this job and made it possible for me to do it. I spent wow. many, many years. I mean, here's, I guess here's where sextuple is like also detrimental in that I have so many creative outlets that I find satisfying. And I spent so many years like, oh, now I'm going to act in this thing. Now I'm going to produce this little doodad. Now I'm going to, you know, now I'll join a dance company now I'll and I'll write a book. And, and each of those was so satisfying as one project, but I then would get to the end of a year or something and feel like even though I'd accomplished so much, I didn't feel like obvious tons of momentum on any one path. Right. And throughout that time, a lot of people kept telling me, I really think you should try to direct. I think you should try to direct. And I kept just being like, oh, as an actor on set, do I have too many thoughts during the scene? Because I can tone that down. So sorry. But like, you know, actually like kept getting encouraged in that direction. And finally sort of acquiesced. I got strong armed into it by a friend of mine and began making my own short films and web series and things like that. And instantly loved it, right? Was like, oh, this this is what I've been looking for. This is the nexus of like, you need writer brain, you need actor brain for performance. You, it's even choreography in some sense, because you're like figuring out the cameras and the actors and how everyone's moving. And so all of that, plus I get to be the boss. Hey, so like all of that 
was really like what I had been looking for all this time. The problem was that I had been on so many, especially comedy sets as an actress and very rarely was a woman in charge of that set. It was a woman directing the episode. And I just like didn't have someone I had seen in that position that made me feel like it could be a job I could actually have. And that was compounded by this sort of vision of that, you know, auteur film bro who like you have to, you know, I didn't go to film school. I sort of was just teaching myself based on my gut and what I had picked up from all these other things. So I spent way too many years treating directing like it was my like side hobby thing that I just do. And then I send films to festivals and they go to a bunch of festivals, but that's, it's not real. It's not real. Right. When Julian was born, my husband, Dave is a TV writer and he got his first show greenlit to series on Julian's due date. Oh my God. Which <laughs> is, thank you. It's like, it's funny because people outside the industry are often like, oh my God, what a shower of blessings. I was like, no, it was the hardest thing in the world. <laughs> because, because that, I mean, it truly means that like, if you are the showrunner of a show, you, you have also just had a baby and now it is your 200% attention all the time. So we sort of went overnight from, oh, we're going to be these modern co-parents to like, oh no, you know, see you in two years when, you know. (laughs) And so I went from all these ideas about what motherhood was going to be and what my career was going to be and all that to really just like being in a rocking chair for three straight months, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And when I emerged from the like, you know, Navy, Navy SEAL training part where you're just like sleep deprived and trying to survive, then I was like, okay, we're three months in. If I now have this much bandwidth for myself, what of all these creative pursuits do I want most? And, you know, I, I was like, well, I'll keep a little of this in my life and this, cause I love them. But if I'm being honest with myself, directing is the thing. And I applied to the NBC program and I made a short film and entered it in this HBO contest. And was like, I'll never get into these things, but it's good to be declarative. And then I did get into all these things and TV directing took off. And what I like about it that is helpful, I think, for motherhood and what feels good to me is that my work schedule is like, there is going to be two weeks where you see me hopefully one hour a day, but then there's going to be a bunch of weeks in a row where I'm home all the time. And it's, and it's very intermittent and it's very on and off as opposed to like constantly all the time I'm feeling not here. But I also, it's just become this very weird relationship because of the timing of all of that, because becoming a mom forced me to really make crystalline, like what, what do I want the most? Because I need to carve out something for me yes. and what's that going to be? It's, and so, so yeah, true. I like appreciate it and it's impossible at the same time. <laughs> Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. But you know what? That's so amazing how you put it like that because I remember when I went back to work after I had my twins and I was so unhappy in my job and I just remember thinking, if I'm really going to leave the house and leave them every day and feel so guilty for leaving them, it better be for something I really, really love doing because... If not, it's just not worth it. I mean, you know, put the money aside for a second, but it was so, it it did really help me focus. I want to spend my working life doing something I feel really passionate about and excited about because, you know, if not, I'm just going to be feeling guilty all the time. And so I think it does, I think it can help crystallize that for a lot of people. And it sounds like it really did for you. It really did. And it, uh, you know, I was able finally to also have that sense that, I, I leave and I am away for these hours of the day, but when I come back, I am more fulfilled. I'm feeling so fully in myself that I am, a, I think, a better mom too. You know what I mean? I, I, I think I am, am more fun and feel energized and feel excited about what I'm doing. And I want Julian to have a female role model in his life who has her own life going and and is thrilled by the stuff she's doing every day. And so you know, I think, I think it ultimately is a win-win, although you mean, ask me on any given day when I'm like in our 12 million of being on set and (laughs) I see a picture of Julian at school painting a picture and I'm like, I'm the worst. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, he probably doesn't miss you at all. I'm sure it's fine. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He he jumps Uh, right out of the car. Okay. So tell me a little bit about what you learned on the forward program and in your training, because you did Obviously, you had a lot of experience as an actor. I had the great privilege of seeing your one-woman show at the end of college, which was oh God. <laughs> a high point, a high point no. of my theatrical oh no. life. No, nightmare, nightmare. Oh, my God. It was amazing. It was amazing. Don't <laughs> listen. It was amazing. And so you cut, you'd been on the other side of the camera. You had done that. You had been on shows. You know, you were on Community. You were on kind of half-hour comedies. Mm-hmm. And then you get on this program. What, what did they teach you that you didn't already know? Well, here is what I appreciated the most about what NBC did when they created that program. There are many programs in Hollywood right now for the sake of helping diversity, right? And I would argue that, or or I have heard from many people who have done multiples of them, that they sort of exist for each company to pat themselves on the back and say that they cared about diversity for five minutes, but very few of them actually put their money where their mouth is. And I think what NBC realized was that we have like truly a pipeline problem now. Like now many, many showrunners are like, yes, I would love to hire more diverse voices behind the camera in my writer's room. But the problem is that there are, you know, it requires a certain amount of experience to make your day at a breakneck speed while getting phenomenal footage and all that stuff. And there just weren't enough people who'd even had their first episode. And time and time again, there are people who are like, have been in the industry for ages and ages. You know, the other women that got into the program my year were like, oh, well, I've been to Sundance 14 times, but no one will give me a TV episode. Like there's (laughs) no imagination in terms of hiring. And so, so they really were just like, okay, if you get into this, 
we're going to treat you like you already know what you're doing because you do. Because if you submitted these pieces and we and they're good and we meet you and you're good, then you do know how to do this already. Right. But we're going to train you specifically to this medium. So all of the workshops that we had in the beginning were about very television specific things before that episode, like working with a showrunner. What is the edit process like on television? How's that different from if it's your film? All these different things. Because in TV, the writer is the final say, right? Whereas in films, it really is the director's piece. Right. And so, you know, kind of all stuff related to that. And then what's great about that program is if you get in, it's because you've been hired by a showrunner to work on a show, right? They want you to direct an episode of that show. So then we came in and we got to shadow two actors during the season working on that show. So that by the time I did my first episode, which was for AP Bio season two, by the time I did that episode, I had been hanging out with the crew for a month straight. I just felt like I had so many allies on that set who really wanted me to succeed. It also made a big difference not to just say, oh, I'm just shadowing the director, but to say, oh, I'm here observing because I'm going to direct episode eight. Amazing. Right? And so there was just something about the way they do it that legitimized all of us like out of the gate. And if you're getting an episode, you're in the director's guild now and you're, you know, you get an agent out of it. And like, it really, you know, started the ball rolling in a tangible way. And then beyond that, NBC was like, listen, if you guys just do this one episode and then never work again, that's also not good for our program and for us getting future women into the pipeline. So we will support you beyond this to anyone. Call us anytime. We will recommend you to what, and, and they stood by that. And for, you know, it's hard to get until you've past like five or six episodes, you're still kind of new and you're still risky to hire or whatever. Right. And they, every time they would just send the cavalry to like. Makes such a big <laughs> difference. Yeah. That's yeah. so awesome. Okay, it's really burning, incredible. Burning yeah. question. Okay. <laughs> do you ever get starstruck? Have you gotten starstruck? And what do you do if you, I don't know, are on a set with Zach Morris, who you were always in love with in your childhood. Like, does this happen? Or do you just put on KDO game face and it's not even a concern? No, of course I get super excited. <laughs> this, I think that the trickiest ones for me, sometimes I'm like pretty cool about it. And then the trickiest ones for me were, I did two episodes of this NBC show, Perfect Harmony and Bradley Whitford was the star of that show. And he is love just- him the most wonderful in real life too. And I think, I think what it is even more so, and then obviously I'll, I'll tell you about the Saved by the Bell people, which is what your question is actually about. But <laughs> I, I think what it is, is the, maybe the secret weirdest, hardest part of my job. And I often say to people like directing is actually 90% therapy, 10% creativity. Like <laughs> most of my job, especially in television, because you know, these people are working on this show all season long. You come in maybe just for one episode in the middle of the whole thing, you know? So you're sort of the stranger. And yet the from minute one that you walk in, you're the boss of what people are doing on set, even though you know you've had the least experience with the show. It's very right. weird. And part of that dynamic is honing your ability to instantly, within like minutes, suss out how each different actor in the cast likes to work. And generally speaking, like that's not the same. And some actors are very technical and they just want to know, oh, you need me to land here for this camera. And some actors, if you tell them that, they like 
totally fall apart and lose their path because it has to all be very character motivated. You know, so you have to kind of figure that out right away. And so I'm so sorry. Do you hear all these dogs barking? (laughs) I do. Are they your dogs? (laughs) One, it's my dog. So I'll take... (laughs) Half blame. So okay, there's whatever, a there's a dog party. There's a dog party. Whatever happening. postman is outside. So anyway, I think what's what's the thing that is like butterflies for me in those moments is I'm like, okay, here you are, Bradley Whitford. You are obviously the most talented. So here and I'm me, and we're both working on this thing. So that's interesting. And then I have to like kind of figure out, you know, especially with veteran actors too. Sometimes you're like, do you want to play? do you want me to like give you notes and ideas and are we going to find something together? Or do you, are you not into that? And you just think maybe your choice is the best choice. And like, you know, and so it is a bit of a dance and you sort of have to give notes in a certain way. But the second, like the experience I had with Bradley was just like discovering that he just was excited to explore. And then I was like, oh, and then it's I just do fun that. Yeah. from that point on, you know what I mean? Cause then we're just playing together and it's, that's the most satisfying part of my day. Stay by the Bell was the weirdest for sure, because this, I did one episode in season one, but in season two, I got to do the episode where the entire original cast came back, which was just like an out of body experience <laughs> on the actual day. And so I made it through two straight days of shooting with all of them together in this gym at this career fair episode. And all of them are lovely and we're having the best time. And I'm, you know, my job is just to make those guys feel supported and good and confident about their performance. And we like got some great stuff. And then I was like, okay, when we were wrapping on the second day, I was like, okay, it's safe. I can be a nerd now. And I was just like, can I just gather you guys over here for a second? And I just said, I was like, listen, I, you know, now that we got past the actual work part of this, like I watched you when I was like, nine years old oh my and God. you guys were like my total idols and this has been such a crazy today oh, I love that you did that. the best part of it is that you're all wonderful people and wonderful artists to work with and like you know in in no way was my childhood dream crushed by all of them being actually horrible <laughs> or anything you know what I mean? like I just like this is so special and da, da, da. and we took a photo and whatever and then they were just like cool thanks for making us feel super old. And I was like, ah, but like, I, they were all so nice. It was awesome. And so I'm still in touch with a bunch of them. And it's, it was great. It, it was, was such an enjoyable episode to watch as like a super fan of the show. And I only just got Saved by the Bell here in the UK. So ah. I have caught up now. And nice. it's just, I just, I loved it. I just loved watching them together. And obviously I thought it was brilliantly directed, but that goes without saying. I <laughs> Thank, <hope>. you. <laughs> Thank you. So I would love to know, Katie, what advice would you have for people who are, so you did move into directing, not later, but not straight out of college. It wasn't exactly mm-hmm. what you did. And you were an actress beforehand. And so you had been kind of around the business for a bit, but what would you advise somebody who's listening to this and just thinking, oh my God, this is the coolest job ever. I want to do this now. Maybe I'm 25, maybe I'm 60. What yeah. advice would you give aspiring directors? That's the easiest thing in the world. Make stuff make stuff. You don't, I mean, we are so fortunate, I think, to live in a time in which it is, there's a very low barrier to entry in terms of what you need to show your voice. And the truth is, and what I learned through so much of this, you know, I, before I even realized that I actually wanted to pursue directing in earnest or have that be my primary career, I just was making short films and making the, and every time that someone would tell me, oh, but the way you become a director is by trying to shadow directors on set. And I would be like, 
that doesn't say like just sitting quietly and observing someone is not going to prove to anyone what I would do, you know? And so I would just keep making my own things. And the truth is that anyone who is looking for, for, you know, somebody to have this job can easily say, it doesn't matter that you're, you don't have like millions of dollars of production value. How do you tell a joke? How do you tell a story? How do you craft a scene? Like those will come through no matter what. And the most valuable thing you can have now is that on whatever weird day you meet a person who might want to watch your stuff, that you can send them something and they can watch it right away. It's very, you know, you just like, it doesn't take much money and it's very hard to make something at any budget. And so it's so worth it to just, if you have an idea for a story, find a way to make the story somehow, because inevitably it will pay off to be able to, you know, run into someone randomly and something comes up and you say, Oh, that's so funny. I actually made a short film about that. Can I send it to you? And, and to be able to put that right in front of somebody, I mean, people have mountains of scripts in their email inboxes that they like attempt to read within the next two months when people send it, but a short film, you know, comes into their email and they can watch it right away. And I think that is where, like, that's fully where I taught myself everything about how to direct. That's where I cut my teeth. That is, you know, I just followed my gut and then did this trial and error thing where I made a bunch of things. And each time I liked the thing, I like each time the thing was a little closer to what had been in my head when I started. And I mean, I think it's fair to say it wasn't always a linear path. It's not like every single thing you did immediately was showered with praise and accolades. You know, I think, I mean, I think that happens in every job, but I imagine in your profession, it happens even more. Oh my God. It is. I, I mean, luckily I had learned this lesson long ago, just even in acting and writing, like so much of what you do is about timing is about whatever the person looking for a thing on that day thinks they're looking for, you know, it really, there's like, it's so not a meritocracy (laughs) and (laughs) it is such a marathon, right? And you can have the best audition of your life and be like, I'm amazing. And then they, and then you don't even get a call back and you think you're talent free for three weeks. And then the commercial airs and they cast like a 65 year old black man in that role. And you're like, well, (laughs) now I guess it wasn't about my read. (laughs) Yeah. But like, but you know, but you spent the whole intro time, you know, the the intro, you spent beating yourself up. And so, so much of it is that, But really it's just about, you know, you might write something right now and no one's looking for that thing. And three years from now, everyone suddenly wants a comedy about whatever the heck it was. And so you just never know. The one thing you have control over is producing your own art and and making it, make, write the script, you know, film yourself on an iPhone, do whatever it takes. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, but for sure, like when I was like breastfeeding in a rocking chair and this like application came through for NBC's program that which a friend of mine sent to me and thank God he did it change my life. It, you know, if I didn't have a bunch of short films that I had made, regardless of the fact that I didn't think that anyone would like them, but, <laughs> but like, if I didn't have those short films ready to go, that would have passed me by. There's no way I could have, you know, put together 15 things in the, in that time. So with a newborn, I mean, that would have right. been something. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. So I think, and the other thing is like, make things and don't be afraid to just use what you have. Like it will also be the more honest thing. Cause I have a lot of fun, weird shorts that I made, but the one that by far and away took off the most and got the most traction is the one that I made for that HBO contest, which Julian was five months old. 
I was still like at home all the time. I got sent that thing. I was like, make a film. I cannot even take a shower most days. Like, how is this a thing? Was not dressed at five months old at all. (laughs) And like, I was like trying to rack my brain. Like, okay, how can I write a script? And how can I pull this off? And all these other weird stories. And then ultimately I was like, I'm just going to make a movie about me and Julian, who is five months old in this house, because that is what I have to work with. (laughs) That's the best I can do. And you know what? It ended up being like the most honest storytelling and it connected with the most people because it was like truest to me. It was your story. Yeah. Katie O'Brien, you are a genius among women. And I feel (laughs) really bad for all my future podcast guests who are going to live up to this amazing interview. Thank you so much for coming, for being my guinea pig, for being amazing. And thrilled um, to be here. Final I'm going to be your number one audience member of this podcast. Guy. I can't wait. Well, I'm gonna, I can't wait to send you my short film that I'm going to make of this podcast. Yes. And then yes. <laughs> maybe you're going to use it for something. Katie, real quick, just tell me where can I learn more about you? I mean, I know everything there is to know about you, but let's say I didn't. Where can I learn more about you or find your work online? The best place to check is my Instagram, which is just at Katie Lock O'Brien, because that is where I post most regularly the updates, what I'm working on, share links to, you know, recent episodes and other work. My website is katielockobrien.com. That has is a little woefully out of date, but I'll do my best to update it soon. But yeah, the, inst- the Instagram is the best choice. Amazing. I will. <laughs> I actually, I don't even think I follow you on Instagram, which is a horrible shame. So that's going to be remedied immediately. Katie, thank yeah. you for coming on Quit Your Day Job and have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Quit Your Day Job. We are a Zcast production and want to send huge thanks to the whole Zibby Books team for their support. Find me on Instagram at Alicia F. Miranda. I would love to hear what you thought about the episode future jobs you want me to profile, or the burning questions you think I should ask my upcoming guests. And if you decide to quit your day job, let me know. 